Hey, I'm Pastor Troy Shadid. I'm the senior pastor at Generations Church. We're so glad that you've joined us online today for one of our services. Uh, if you happen to be in the Moreno Valley or Temecula Valley communities, please come and join us live, and we would love to get to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us with this service today. We hope you enjoy it. God bless you. I'm back. <laughs> Sit down. Um, isn't that exciting about San Diego? We are so excited for what God is doing down there. And um, as you know, they were a church before uh, they became part of us, uh, before they became Generations Church. They've been a church for over 10 years, and they've been setting up and tearing down for that entire time. Uh, so over 10 years of ministry in schools, in uh, theater, in uh, whatever, community center, whatever they could find to meet. And so God opened up a door just last month. Uh, we had a church that called us and they said, we are moving out of our building into a, a new facility. And uh, we still have a couple of months left on the lease and we would love to see another church move in. So we're wondering if you'd want a sublease from us. And it was literally just half a block away from the movie theater where they're currently meeting. Um, you could walk to it from the movie theater and um, it's perfect size for the size church that they are currently. They'll be able to get in there and grow. And so we were so excited that God opened up and made a way for them. And so they've been there all week long painting and moving things in and so excited. Pastor Isaac couldn't get people to leave. He was like, okay, y'all got to go home. But um, so they're very excited, and we're excited uh, to see what God is doing down there. So if you're ever in the San Diego area on a Sunday morning, go to our Generations Church uh, San Diego campus and be a part of the family on a Sunday morning and um, celebrate what God is doing there. So, so we're excited. Okay, Vintage Christmas Series. This is week number three in our series. And uh, last week we had, um, what was the movie we did last week? Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, I'm totally like, whatever. Okay, wake up. Hello. Um, and so uh, this week, we're going to be doing another vintage um, Christmas movie um, that we're going to be talking about, but taking a maybe a little bit different tactic than a usual Christmas, Christmas message. But before I get into my message, I have. Okay, I have jokes. Hopefully, I redeemed myself from last week because you guys did not think they were funny last week. So they probably aren't going to be funny this week either. So Christmas jokes are not that funny. Okay, so we'll try it though. Okay, so what do you call Frosty the Snowman in May? A puddle. And I asked you this one last week. Yeah, thanks, Rich. It took him a minute. Okay. What type of cars do elves drive? Toyotas. Hey, that one was better. And just a little note, remember that stressed is simply dessert spelled backwards. So if you're stressed, just turn it around and have one. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Jesus, help us. Father God, we just thank you uh, for your word. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house. Father, there's no one like you. And there's no place like your presence. And so we just invite right now by the Holy Spirit your presence into this room. As you've already been here, God, I thank you that we just become more aware of you, God, and who you are. And so, Father, we turn our attention to your word. We thank you, God, that you do what only you can do, which is to change us. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, we're actually going to be looking at the classic story 
given to us by Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, so this one's totally a classic. I grew up watching this one. And so the book was published in 1957, and then it was made into a holiday special in 1966. Who was alive in 1966? Really? Paul? Bettina? I got a couple of people. Oh, my hand. I was not alive. I gotta put my hand down. I was not alive. So, uh, <laughs> just gotta clarify that. Okay. So, um, so we have a clip that we're gonna. We have a couple of clips that we're gonna be talking about today. Um, and so, let's take a look at this very first clip on how the Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> Sing and they'll sing and they'll sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this, who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. <laughs> I think the dog is my favorite part of that whole little cartoon. So this is the setup of the Grinch and how much he hated Christmas. So then he goes into the idea of how he's going to steal Christmas. And... Um, if you've, I'm sure you've all watched it or at least read the book or know the premise of it, right? It's kind of like the Scrooge hates Christmas. Um, and so today what I really want to talk about is the real Grinch who's out there to try and steal your Christmas. Because we've had a real Grinch all throughout time who's been trying to stop Christmas from ever coming, who's been trying to rob the world of the only true source of joy and love that we have, which is Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about the real Grinch today, okay? Um, listen, Satan actually wanted to destroy Jesus before he was ever born. Do you know that? And so um, in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 15, God tells the enemy, he tells Satan, the devil, who is real, by the way, heaven is real, hell is real, the devil is real, God is real, angels are real, demons are real. These are real things. I know sometimes people are out there going, no, it's just this mystical idea or theory. No, it's real. And so we want to talk about that today a little bit so that we can be aware of the enemy's tactics. And so Genesis 3.15, God tells this to the devil. He says, I will put enmity, which means like division, divide, um, uh, like enmity, uh, hatred between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. Notice that seed, her seed, is capital S. It says, he shall bruise your head. In another translation, it says crush. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. So Satan begins to try and stop his own destruction. Because God told him there's going to come a man through a woman. There's going to come a seed of a woman that's going to crush your head, that's going to defeat you. And so the devil begins to look for this seed that was going to be born of a woman. And so all throughout history, he tries to destroy the woman before the child could even be born. That's why there's such a war on women throughout all of history. 
And then Cain kills Abel because he's like, okay, that's the seed of Adam. Like, those are the firstborn kids. Maybe those are them. And so he begins to this war, and he's trying to destroy the seed of the promised one. And then in um, Moses' time, Pharaoh kills all of the babies, right? He tells all of the Hebrew um, people that they need to to kill the babies. He told the midwives, you need to kill the babies two and under, any, any male child that is born. And so Moses gets saved out of that. Why does that happen? Because the devil is trying to destroy the seed before it even began, the very real Grinch. And then in Matthew chapter 2, part of the Christmas story is that Herod the Great does what? He starts killing the babies. When he hears that there's been a child that's been born that's the king, he begins to kill the babies that are under two years old. And so Jesus, his mother, and Joseph, they have to flee to Egypt because of killing the babies. Listen, this has been the war on humanity because the devil was trying to stop the very first Christmas from ever happening. But he couldn't do it, right? Satan could not stop the birth of Jesus. He could not stop the cross or the resurrection. So what does he do now? He turns to individuals. He's like, okay, I couldn't stop Jesus from coming into the world. I couldn't stop him from bruising my head, but I can maybe stop people from serving him. I can maybe stop individuals from having a relationship with God, from having peace in their life, from having what they need from God. Maybe I can do that. And so he turns the war to individuals in the earth. He turns the war to you and I as believers because now we carry Jesus in the earth. And do you know that when the devil looks at you, you look just like Jesus. When you get born again, you look just like Jesus. The Bible says that you have died, right? And it's now Christ who lives in you. And so if Christ is living in you and you're dead, who are you going to look like? You're going to look like Jesus. And so he turns his attention to you. And I actually spoke this at our um, Christmas brunch um, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, because, and I'm speaking it again today because I really feel like we need to be made aware of some things in our life. We need to be made aware of the real Grinch who comes to try and steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, that is what the devil does. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not God. So many times when we go through something difficult in our life, when something is stolen from us, when something is destroyed, when we've lost something, we go, God, why did you do that? That is not God. It is not his nature. God is love. He can only love. Now, I'm not saying that every single thing is the devil, okay? So don't go around saying that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil, okay? Sometimes we make choices in our life and we have consequences to pay for those choices, right? We make stupid decisions. I don't know about you, but I've done some stupid stuff in my life before Jesus and after Jesus. And so we have consequences to pay, but, but there is a very real enemy who's trying to stop us from having a relationship with God, who's trying to stop us from spreading the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus, especially this time of year. The war on Christmas is very real, right? You go into stores, they say happy holidays. And I go, Merry Christmas. Because I'm like, I'm not saying happy holidays. This is about Jesus. I'm not taking him out of it. 
But there's been this thing, right? Politically correct. We've got to take Jesus out of it. You can't have mangers. You can't have crosses. And there's been all these lawsuits filed and all this stuff to try and what? Stop the meaning of Christmas from becoming declared in the earth. And so this is what the devil does. It's his tactics. It's his devices against us. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says that we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. He said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We need to be aware of what the devil will try to do to stop us. See, the truth is, is that we are in a war, but we've already won it. Let me tell you that, okay? Spiritual warfare is something that happens, but we've already won the war. We're going to have individual battles sometimes, but the war has already been won because Jesus fought it and paid his life for it for us. Amen? So we've already run the, won the war, but there's a real Grinch trying to destroy us. So Ephesians 6, this one is very important. Ephesians 6, 12. Ephesians 6, 12. 4. We do not wrestle, there it is, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want you to remember this Christmas season that your family is not your enemy. The people in line at Walmart are not your enemy. People are not your problem. It says that we wrestle, we fight against rulers and principalities and the things that are coming against us, the things that the devil tries to do to stop us. And so sometimes we can be under spiritual attack and not recognize that we are. There are symptoms that we can have of being under spiritual attack that Maybe we would just dismiss or try and go, I'm not sure why I'm feeling this way. Um, and so the, the devil begins to bring these things against us for several reasons. And we're going to look at that this morning of what that looks like and what that feels like and what maybe he's trying to do to you. So when, um, let's see, in November, uh, Pastor Troy and I really just kind of felt like Gosh, we're just kind of feeling some tension and some things within our own self. And as we begin to pray, um, the Lord began to reveal some things to us just personally that sometimes you just have to get, you know, you just get your focus off sometimes, right? And so getting it back in line. And then as we begin to talk about what we were feeling and experiencing, we began to have other people say, oh, I was going through that too. Oh, I've been feeling that too. Oh, I, I, I wasn't sure what that was. I, I, I wasn't sure why I was feeling that way. And then when I shared this at the brunch, I had ladies come up to me afterwards going, oh, thank you so much. I didn't recognize what was happening. So today I want us to be aware and to recognize what the devil might be trying to do to you and to your family. Okay. So there's four symptoms of being under spiritual warfare or attack. And let, let me just say this, that spiritual warfare is not about what is happening to you. It's about what's happening in you. Spiritual warfare doesn't have to do with any circumstances that are happening around you. Sometimes we get focused on the circumstances that are going on around us. When it actually has to do with an attack of the enemy 
inside of us, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we're going through, our focus, our attention. Why? Because that Grinch is trying to divide us from God. He's trying to separate us from our relationship with him. He's trying to separate us from our relationship with each other. And so we need to be aware of those tactics. So there's a story in 1 Kings 19, and I'm going to do the best that I can to get this out to you guys. 1 Kings 19 verses 1 through 4. So we're going to read this story about Elijah. And now let me give you the the setup of this story. Elijah, right before in 1 Kings 18, um, he actually goes into battle um, with the prophets of Baal. And he wins this totally supernatural showdown uh, with these prophets of Baal, these idol worshipers. And he kills 450 of the prophets, just annihilates them. And um, basically, the king has said, if you win, then we'll serve your God. Your God will be God. And, um, and so he won. And, and so they killed all the prophets of Baal, all the idol worshipers. And so he has this great victory. He's like, this is amazing. We've had a great victory. And then we go into chapter 19. And it says, and Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab was the king, Jezebel was his wife, all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she threatens him. She's like, I'm going to kill you. Verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So he has this amazing victory. And then the queen says, I'm going to kill you. And so he goes running from one woman into the desert. He fears for his life and takes off and begins to hide in the desert. So there's four things that we see in this passage of scripture that it's a spiritual attack against him. Okay, there, there was Actually, nobody was chasing him. Did you recognize that? It doesn't say, and then there were 50 guards that showed up at his door. No, it was just a threat that was given to him. So it's a spiritual attack that begins to happen. And there's four things that he experiences that we need to be aware of that we might experience in our life. The first one is intense anxiety. Intense anxiety. Did you notice that? It says that she gave the threat to him, and then it says, and when he saw that, he ran. He saw it. So all of a sudden, his imagination began to go wild. He began to see maybe what was going to happen to him. He began to, his imagination and the fear that took over caused this intense anxiety on the inside of him that he began to run for his life. It was unreasonable. It was unreasonable. The the king had agreed to this deal with him. But the queen was the one that made the threat. And so the enemy's tactic is always to bring fear into your life. Listen, you might be facing something, maybe a diagnosis or or something, you know, going on with your finances that that can cause fear uh, of the unknown, not not sure what's going to happen. But what the devil does is he'll take that and blow it up until it's so huge. Until the thing that you're afraid of is actually smaller than the fear that you're feeling. 
And then that fear becomes greater than God. And so then we're experiencing this intense anxiety that, that we shouldn't be experiencing as children of God. And sometimes people will have panic attacks, very real panic attacks. And there's really no reason for them. This could be a sign of an intense spiritual attack against you. I've only had one in my life, a, a panic attack. And I tell you, I thought I was going to die. Like, I couldn't breathe. I was like, this is very real. This is not a, a, a good thing. And so when I, I have people tell me they, have, they experience panic attacks, I, I can understand what you're feeling. It's very intense and it's very real. But we have to recognize why it might be happening in our life. Who is it that's coming against us that might be causing this thing to happen to us and making the fear bigger than it should be? And that's what happens with Elijah. He goes running because of the fear. The second thing is desire for isolation. So if you notice, Elijah left his servant even. So he takes off with his servant, and then he drops him off at Beersheba, and then he continues 40 days into the desert. And then he sits down under a broom tree, and he just sits there all alone. One of the biggest tactics of the enemy is isolation. He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you, make you feel like you're all alone, that there's nobody who cares, nobody who loves you, nobody who would understand, and he isolates you. This is what he did to Elijah, this amazing, amazing prophet he could do it to him he can do it to us and so we've got to be aware of it and so this isolation what happens is this seed this thought it's always through thoughts that will come well I just don't feel like anybody at church loves me I just don't feel welcome at church anymore little tiny seed based upon a feeling not the truth all right just feel like there's just something in my family. Like I just walk into the room and I just don't feel welcome. Listen, that's the enemy. And so then he, he causes you to withdraw, especially if you had issues in your life with rejection, you begin to withdraw. And so then you begin to isolate yourself. I want to tell you today that you're not alone. That's his tactic with everybody. If you've been experiencing that, recognize it because that's not God. God created us as a body. He connected us one to another because we need each other. I need my legs. I need my arms. Can I live without them? Yes, I can. People do it all the time, right? But life has a different quality about it when it's all connected. It's the same way with the body of Christ. We have a different quality when we're all connected. We need each other. And so the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy that. He comes to isolate us. And when you have that feeling, the first thing you need to do is you need to push in rather than pull out. If you don't feel love, then you go love on somebody else. You give it away, and it will come back to you. Amen? So we've got to be aware of his tactic. The third thing that... Elijah experienced and that we might experience is unusual physical fatigue. It says that he sat down under a broom tree and he didn't get up. He just sat down and was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm just going to sit right here. 
until I die, so you might as well just kill me, God, because I'm not getting up again. And so sometimes we'll have physical fatigue when there is no reason to have that physical fatigue. Because when you're tired, you don't have the effort to do anything that you're called to do. I just want to sit here and I want to watch Netflix all day, please and thank you. And ignore everything else that I should be doing. There's a difference between rest and unusual fatigue. And we've got to recognize that it could be an attack of the enemy. The fourth one that we see here is depression or discouragement. So he sits down on the broom tree and he's like, I just want to die. Like there's nobody, he tells God in the next uh, chapter that there's nobody left like him, that he's all alone, that, there, that he's, you know, the, the other prophets are dead. Everybody's left him. He's all alone. He's depressed. He's discouraged. He might as well die. I believe that this is a very real tactic of the enemy, is discouragement and depression. Do you know that discouragement is the result of believing a lie? If you're discouraged about something, what does God say about that thing? Because God only says what is good, what is lovely, what is pure, right? We talked about that last week. We've got to think on those things. It's when we think on the other things, when we think on the lie that, hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. When we think on the lie, I'm never going to have enough money. I'm never going to have enough of this. I'm never going to be able. That's a lie that keeps you in discouragement and in depression. And so we've got to recognize it, that it might be a tactic of the enemy, So those are four symptoms that I just want us to be aware of. And as I was sharing those, maybe you've recognized one of those symptoms in your life. And so um, we want to make sure that we know how to counteract those things, right? So we need to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. And then how do we counteract them? So I have another clip from the Grinch. And this one talks about why he hated Christmas so much. So let's take a look at the second clip. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. So this, <clears throat> this clip talks about why he hated Christmas. So it says the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be that perhaps his shoes were too tight. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Listen, the devil's tactic is to get us to shrink our heart. Because what happens is when we have those symptoms begin to happen in our life, what does it make us do? 
It makes us internalize and just look at me. And then our heart for humanity begins to shrink because we're so focused on me, myself, and I that we can't see the world out there that needs Jesus. The devil doesn't mind if you're a believer as long as you don't ever open your mouth about it. And so the tactics of the enemy is these things that he brings against us, especially the isolation one, that causes us to withdraw, that causes our heart to shrink. And when we don't guard it against the enemy, that's what happens. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. He says, Above everything else, you need to guard your heart, because out of it, all of life flows. Your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, that the, the thing that makes up your personality and when when the enemy brings these things against us and we give in to them then our heart begins to shrink and we begin to hate the things that we should love so we can either feed on what heaven prepares for us or we can feed on what the devil is trying to give us those thoughts that are causing us to internalize those thoughts that are coming against us to cause us to be depressed, depressed and discouraged. Listen, when we feed the Grinch, we can feed the Grinch. You know that, right? Sometimes we all have a Grinch inside of us and we can feed that Grinch by focusing on the wrong things. We can feed the Grinch by focusing on the disappointments we've had in life and all of the pain. See, he'll bring that back up time and time again to get you to focus on that, get your heart to begin to shrink. We feed the Grinch by holding on to the hurt and remembering the times that we were offended. We begin to feed that Grinch and our heart begins to shrink and become stony hard because we refuse to forgive because we're justified in being offended because the hurt was real. Yeah, it was real. You still don't get to hold on to it. You still got to release it and let it go. And I believe that something that we are experiencing all across the United States is a spirit of offense. That it's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and trying to get people to be offended about the dumbest things. Every little thing that offends me. Well, you offend me. Well, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook because you offended me. You have a different political view than I do. You offend me. What is that? What happened to agreeing to disagree? What happened to loving each other no matter what? In the words of Rodney King, can't we all just get along? And the older people knew that one. Okay. Listen, the more we feed the Grinch, the more our hearts shrink in size. When we don't use our heart to love humanity, when we don't use our heart to do what God has called us to do, when we get so focused on self, 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 then we don't do and we don't reach people for Jesus. We won't experience the love, the joy, the peace that we should in our life. And not just time, this time of year, but every single day of our life. That's available to us through Jesus. But we've got to make sure that we're feeding on the right things. And, and you can finish reading the story in Elijah about Elijah um, in Kings 19. It says that he goes on and an angel comes and actually prepares a meal for him and begins to feed him this meal. 
And he's saying to him, he says, the journey is so great for you. You need to arise and eat and drink. And so could you imagine that if an angel showed up in your house and was like, you need to eat something, so I'm going to make you a meal. It's got to be the best meal ever, right? <laughs> Straight from heaven. And he's like, here's some water. Here's your water bottle. Take a drink. You, you've got a long journey. Listen, heaven is always feeding us. But it's our choice whether we're going to consume that or not. What is it that we're feeding on? What is it that we're feeding on? We need to be feeding on the word of God to counteract the devices of the enemy and to be aware of them. There's one last clip that I want to show you, and it's at the end of the movie um, because the Grinch goes through and he tries to steal all of Christmas. He goes into their homes and he takes all of their presents, their trees, the ornaments. He even takes the who beast. He takes everything out of their homes, and yet he, he awakens to the sound of the who's, and so let's watch this last clip. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. I like how his eyes change at the end. They're all pretty. <laughs> but maybe Christmas is just a little bit more. And I want us to recognize today that maybe the things that we're experiencing Maybe some of these symptoms are a little bit more than just, oh, I'm just feeling this way or I'm just the only one who feels this way. How do we combat it? Just like the who's. What did they do? They sang their way out of it. They woke up. There was nothing left in their homes. And yet they still gathered and they began to sing. Ephesians 5 Verses 15 through 20 says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. <laughs> and do not be drunk with wine. Just a little side note, okay? Don't get drunk with wine because that's one of the things we tend to turn to when we're feeling discouraged or depressed. It says, But be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving all, thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You feed your heart and your spirit by being filled with the Spirit, by spending time in God's presence, by letting Him fill you up, by counteracting the isolation, the anxiety, the depression, by counteracting that, by spending time with God and His Word, by filling yourself up with His presence, by bringing the joy that you need into your life. 
And then the Bible is very clear. He says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We can be just like the Who's after they had the greatest attack of the Grinch. What did they do? They began to sing. That's why when we come together, that's why this morning I was encouraging you to sing. Because when you begin to sing and you just turn your focus and your attention to God and you worship God and you worship Jesus, the one who paid the price for your sin, the one who fought the battle for you, who's already won the victory. When you worship him and you sing your way out of it, then you're going to see victory in your life. So I encourage you today, maybe you've experienced some of these symptoms and you've been wondering what is going on and why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. You're not the only one. I'll tell you that. You're not the only one. It's a tactic of the enemy. But it's our choice whether we stay in that or we get up from it. And so I want to encourage you today to get up from it. Get up. Don't let the devil take your stuff. Get up. Don't let him steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let him bring these things into your life and stay there. We've got to recognize whose we are. We are children of the Most High God. We worship Almighty God. He lives on the inside of us. And when we remember whose we are, when we sing, when we feed ourselves on his word and his presence, then our heart begins to grow. Our heart begins to grow. And do you know the most amazing thing happens is our attention shifts from ourselves to the world and says, how can I help them experience what I'm experiencing? The love, the peace, the joy and the presence of God in our life every single day. Let's stand today. We're going to pray. And I'm just going to declare some things over you, okay? And so if you've been experiencing some of these spiritual attack symptoms and you recognize them in your life, or maybe a family member or a loved one has shared what they're feeling and experiencing and going through, and you recognize it as an attack of the enemy, I just want you to simply, right where you are, receive and come in agreement with the prayer that we're going to pray. So let's do this. Let's just all lift our hands to heaven. We thank you, Father God. We worship you. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you don't want us to be ignorant of any of Satan's devices. And so we recognize and we see it. And God, we come against it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I just take authority over offense in Jesus' name, over that spirit of offense that would come in to divide in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for unity and peace. God, I just release a spirit of unity and peace, Father God, into the people in this room and into their homes. I thank you, Heavenly Father, by your spirit, what you want to do in them and through them. God, will be accomplished. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you reign, that God, you are victorious, that God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. And so, God, I thank you right now that we do surrender all, God, and we ask you to forgive us 
Father God, if we have um, sinned against you, God, by partnering with the lies of the enemy, Father God, I thank you in Jesus' name that we repent in the name of Jesus and we say, God, have your way in our life. We will not withdraw. God, we will not pull back. We won't allow our heart to shrink for humanity. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that every person at the sound of my voice, God, will experience an encounter with you that is so real, that is so powerful, that, God, it's undeniable that it's you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And I just take authority over all the attacks of the enemy. And we say, you have to stop in the name of Jesus. You cannot cross any further. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Oh, how we love you. Thank you for coming. This time of year, we celebrate Christmas because you chose to come and lay down your life for us. And so we thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We give you first place in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.